0: So should we just get it all out of the way right now of how bad it all was? Just how bad? How bad of a morning? I I was having a good morning, Blake. And then I said, oh, Super Showdown's on. Let's watch the Super Showdown. And then AJ Styles is like, ring the bell. I won the match. And then gong. And then Undertaker wins a match that he's not in. Then ricochet. And just, Blake, how? How did they mess up this bad? Oh, Super Showdown was today?
1: <laughs>
0: so welcome to Fight Boys, a show about professional and not-so-professional wrestling. I'm your host, the bad boy of podcasting himself, Scotty Moore. I'm your uh, resident dick kryptonite expert, Blake Tanner. How you doing, buddy? My favorite part about that is no one's gonna understand that reference because it was in the pre-show. No one's gonna understand dick kryptonite. Don't care. This is what tonight's gonna be, baby. And, uh, and unfortunately, Dylan did learn that Kyrie Sane got murdered and he was last heard screaming over the Atlantic on his way to Japan. What fucking report did you listen to she got married not murdered you dingus did i say murdered i meant yes. to say married um blake though as, as a married man what's the difference am i right y'all get her down <laughs> you. there's your son there's <laughs> there, there's your son uh, okay. But yeah, he, he Dylan was last heard screaming over the Atlantic. Why? I could have been a Kabuki warrior too. No, you could have been. Well, that's where he's going to. He's going to Kabuki school. He's he's going to become the new Kabuki. Is where he's at in his life. <laughs> so what? I, I'm I'm also coming into this episode. Uh A without Dylan which is really going to be hard for me because I haven't talked much in the last few episodes. And B, like because the reason I haven't is because I haven't watched much wrestling. I even I didn't even get a chance to watch AEW this week and it was fucking killer. Oh, this week's AEW was fucking but it was you got to watch the good one. Last week's was very very good. This week's was all right, but we'll get into that cuz Wrestling happened, Blake. And you know what? I feel like the pre show gave us all the Super Showdown coverage I needed to give, other than Mansoor is a fucking baller. Like, when he's given a chance to shine, he's very, very good and very over. Although, I do enjoy the memes that are coming out of the year is 2027. Mansoor has now been undefeated 208 to 0 in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Now, I would love that, because it does just mean that one of those matches, you just don't ever have to watch again. Yeah. Well, that was something, and then I also very much enjoyed Mansoor and NXT, and it's the very, very round SpongeBob, who looks all squeaky clean and smooth. Mansoor and Saudi Arabia jacked his shit, SpongeBob, It was very good. What? So, is, uh, and I haven't watched NXT in a while, what does Mansoor do on NXT? Basically, best way I can describe Mansoor is, imagine The Rock when he was Rocky Maivia. The ultimate white meat babyface bullshit is what Mansoor is. Okay, so he turns into, like, Attitude Era Rock when he goes to Saudi Arabia. No, he's still just babyface Mansoor. It's just a matter of, he's in Saudi, so he becomes all-powerful and can defeat everybody. No, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Were there any plane issues? Has everybody left safely this time? I feel like, well, I think that's going to come out, like, tomorrow. Like, most of that news is coming. Here's my problem, is the fact that Dylan was like, hey, I can't do the show this week. And, you know, half the show is just Dylan screaming about New Japan. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, wait, we're good. We have to make predictions for Super Showdown and uh, Revolution. And then I slowly went, oh, wait. Super Showdown is right fucking now. And the way I learned was by looking at my phone and it was, The Undertaker has returned! Oh, cool, maybe during the Goldberg match or the Roman match or... Nope, he just put himself in a match he wasn't in (laughs) to win it in one second. Yeah, no, that sounds... Yeah, that's WWE and have you been watching for the last forever well in saudi arabia specific apparently if they have a tournament for a title in saudi arabia the winner of the match cannot be predicted because they will not be announced in the match first we had shane now we've got taker and i will say the intro was very cool because it was this awesome moment of aj's about to face ray cut backstage ray is beaten down by uh, gallows and anderson and everyone's like oh no Ray's out, and AJ, old Uncle Alan, grabs the microphone It's like, I did it! Ring the bell! He ain't Kevin Dad in a ring! You can't stop me! Get her done! <laughs> he <gonna> get her <laughs> done! I'm a get her done today! Call me the get her done! And so eventually the ref has to be like, AJ, calm the fuck down. I'm gonna count till ten, and he's got ten minutes to get out here. And then on commentary, brilliantly, they say... AJ Styles opponent has 10 seconds to get down to the ring and then at six cuts backstage Gallows is on the ground fucking crying I mean they're not saying he's crying Gallows is crying then Carl Anderson just gets yeeted into frame the boy flies into frame And this is my favorite, and they rarely do this nowadays, but it's the backstage segment where it reveals the surprise without blatantly saying it, like the Jericho return where Jericho clotheslined somebody and like did his pose and everyone knew. That's what happened because the next thing you see after Carl gets yeeted is just two boots step into frame and all of Saudi Arabia explodes at once as they go, fuck, he's here! And then he walks to the ring. And, and he, he does the whole walk? And ten minutes later, the match begins. He chokes Lam's Uncle Alan, pins him, end of match. And I was like, alright, that's cool, I guess. I guess this is their way of setting up AJ versus Taker at Mania, which I'm grateful for, I guess. That it's not just some dumb AJ's complaining in the ring and then Undertaker comes out for no reason. Although, this is my one takeaway from Super Showdown, and it's it's the th- the fact that y- is the deal bullshit. Yes, is it blood money bullshit. Yes, but the people, the Saudi Arabian fans are fucking amazing. They are probably the loudest crowd I've heard in a WWE arena in a very long time. Because they never get it. Other than now the two times a year that they get it. So they were just so hype for fucking anything. Anything could have happened. Dolph Ziggler walks to the ring and they're like, Fuck yeah! It's Dolph Ziggler! (laughs) You know, that that is a point that you always do make. And I understand it. Okay. They oh, deserve- no, that's all I really had to say. I can't get into this political shit anymore, dude. I'm too tired that's of it. It's not political! I'm straight up saying, like, those are good people who enjoy wrestling as much as we do, and I'm happy they get to enjoy their wrestling, even if they have shitty government. Because I can, I can sympathize with people with a shitty government who just want to watch wrestling. I can I can be happy for them and... I can also just be, like, sad that that's all they get for the wrestling because I know it's not good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, now on to other wrestle news. Um, Why is it always the best person in WWE that gets fucked over the most? Because first there was Daniel Bryan, who just every time he came back from an injury got injured two weeks later. Yep.
1: But and now so that he's mo- been
0: back for a while, like... He's done some good shit, but he's just not gotten where he ever was. Well, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he has passed the torch now to my new favorite person in WWE, who is Samoa Joe, who has gotten two concussions in a year. And, in addition to that, a wellness violation, probably from smoking weed to relieve the pain of the concussion. Yeah, I was about to ask if anybody knew what the violation was about, or if there was any info about it, because all I know is that it happened, and he's gonna miss another WrestleMania? No, 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 he should come back mid-March. Okay, so... That's what people are saying, yeah. Okay, so so we'll have him for WrestleMania, so that's great. We just get, like, a tiny little build... My favorite thing about it, by the way, is the fact that WWE Creative did not know until they announced it on Twitter. So WWE Creative was like, wait, what the fuck? Wait, wait, no, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, wait. We Uh, had a plan. Yeah, that's some great fucking internal communication you got there, my dude. Yeah, they're just sitting there like... Oh yeah, we're gonna do this great angle. He's gonna turn on Kevin Owens, and then they're gonna have Kevin Owens versus Samoa Joe at WrestleMania. And Vince just walks into the room like, "Yeah, you guys, um, you might want to check Twitter because uh, some shit's gone down. Scotty, he hung out with Scotty in California, and now we had to kick him out of the company. Oops, you're bad." It just makes me mad when someone gets a little injury prone for a while, because that's when they immediately get, like, full-on blacklisted from WWE. Because same shit happened with Fandango. Hottest run in the company for a very long time, was set to win the Intercontinental title, gets injured. No one knows what the fuck he's doing now. Came back with T-Breeze on NXT, then got injured again, and I bet he's getting released next. Yeah, I mean it happened to uh it happened to Sami Zayn too. He hasn't done anything. He had a lot of injuries just whenever he was starting to get like hot. Yeah. And I mean Am I right because I think someone pointed this out. The only title that he's held is the NXT Championship. Yeah. I think the only uh... I keep feeling like he had... No, he never had the U.S. title either. Yeah, Sami Zayn hasn't had a main roster title, I don't believe. Chat can fact-check this for us, but I I don't think so. Man, that's fucking buck wild to me, and it makes me really sad. I do like him as, like, a manager, though, at least in his current role. I don't like him wrestling in his current role, but, like, babyface Sami Zayn deserved to hold a title most definitely. Yeah, I miss babyface Sami Zayn. Uh, They're doing the whole... they're they're doing the thing I feel like where they started shifting the pendulum like from one end to the other where everyone was saying no all of these people should turn heel because it makes their character better and I'm like you've got some of the best baby faces if you gave them like they've got the character for it you just need to give them a push not turn them heel oh I don't think I've ever thought Sami Zayn should turn heel not once in my entire life have I ever looked at Sam and, and to be fair knocks it out of the park very very good but he is in that Kofi Kingston Johnny Gargano group of people who I'm like don't let him be a baby face because they're the most natural baby faces of all fucking time true you know on the flip side though I guess because like I really enjoyed what she did in NXT because when I first saw her I never thought Alexa Bliss could be uh not a baby face and then oh well fuck oh fuck yeah Here, here we are well, it's also the attire choice where she was a dancing little sparkly ballerina who blew spark, who blew glitter at the audience in NXT. And you're like, well, I don't see how this could be heelish at all. I don't. Understand- yeah. Un- until she blew glitter in someone's eye to get the pin. Yes. I do want to say, going back very quickly to Fondango. I want him to get released because I want creepy Johnny Curtis to show up in AEW. I want him to be his full pervoid self in AEW just sitting backstage and staring at people. Oh man, and his name is Don Fango. Don Fonga, like, no, no lie, my favorite thing from, like, the NXT before it became the Revolution NXT when it was just, like, a game show, my favorite shit of all time was the Daniel Bryan and Johnny Curtis relationship. It, no, no, it wasn't. It was Derek Bateman. It was uh, him and Derek Bateman. Derek, but no, yeah. Johnny yeah. had some good lines, too. But I still love the uh, the segment they had, and it was essentially supposed to be like the newlywed game. But the gimmick was the fact that old old soul man Danny B definitely already knew everything that Derek Bateman was gonna say. Yep. Derek, what I, are your I love th- their their whole run between Brian and Bateman was probably the best part about that terrible, terrible thing. Derek, what's your favorite two things? Chicks in America. Cut to Daniel Bryan. Oh, I did it! And he's holding up the board. So good. Speaking of EC3, what's happened with him? Because I've heard some stuff. Apparently they straight up dropped the trademark for EC3. So they they essentially, uh, they they abandoned it is what it's called. So I I don't know. I I don't know if he was able to request that because he knows he's not going to be there or if they literally just did not give enough of a fuck about him. Yeah, um, and we got two more WWE stories. Number one, has there ever been a good heel ref storyline in WWE? Because the only one that comes to mind is the, uh, the fucking oh god, what was his last name? Brad jizzed on the NXT women's title. Brad Maddox. Um, Brad Maddox. Yeah, Brad the Brad Maddox. Uh, that storyline comes to mind. And then this week they decided, oh, what if? Seth Rollins has a disciple, and the disciple is a referee, and he just counts a pin really quickly to help out Randy Orton for some reason? Okay, I I mean, wasn't wasn't Earl Hebner, didn't he have some stuff going on? Was that real stuff, though, that he was problematic with? Like... I don't know. Well, firstly, he was the Montreal screwjob boy, so that was one thing. I think that might have been the only good one because I think the storyline was Million Dollar Man paid off allegedly Earl Hebner. But then it turns out it wasn't Earl; it was Earl's twin, because Earl has a twin, and that was the storyline. So that one was good. Nothing good. Referee storyline was. has happened since that. Do you remember that one week where they tried to make Little Nate a heel? What? Like, yeah, don't you remember? Um, I uh, it was some. Fu- it was a match where like everyone, like he helped Charlotte win. Oh. Some match. Because he's little fucking H. I don't remember this, but God, it sounds really bad. Yeah, it was the it, it it lasted for a week, and he came out to try to talk, and was interrupted by everyone and their brother, and then it never went anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just refs are amazing if you let them just be referees. Fucking Aubrey Edwards, over as fuck. Why? Because she's a good referee, and that's it. Just let him be a referee. Yeah, she doesn't try to interject herself in the story any more than she is the referee, so she is the one laying down the law, you know? Yes. She will beat the shit out of Chris Jericho if need be. She will destroy him. Exactly, and she'll be happy doing it. Now, the final thing is, was Superstar Billy Graham problematic for some reason at one point? Because I feel like he was. Oh, man, I feel... I feel like I've heard his name in conjunction with something, but I honestly do not know. Okay, well, he's done something good, at least, because he just fucking went after Vince, because Vicky Guerrero did the the Jericho Cruise, he went on this big AEW thing, And since then has apparently been banned from getting WWE talent on the show. Vicky says, I have the podcast and I had asked to interview some superstars for my show. They found out I went to AEW and now they don't even talk to me. Uh, between me and you, they didn't call me for two years, I haven't heard from them, what did they expect me to do, just to sit here and wait for them to call so I could do some work? I love wrestling, I love to work, and if someone's willing to give me an opportunity to go and show up and have some fun, then I should be able to, because I'm not obligated to anybody. I saw that I pissed in their Cheerios, so be it. Oh, I remember. I I know why the name was familiar, but it's not superstar Billy Graham. It is the 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 old preacher man Billy Graham from oh. back in the day. <laughs> okay, close enough, close enough. Well, he heard about this and he responded and it's very good cuz like older wrestlers hold nothing back on social media. And it's usually not a good thing they're saying, but at least Billy Graham said something good this time. This scumbag bastard, Vince McMahon, has blocked Vicky Guerrero from using any of his so-called superstars on her podcast, which, wow, how does Billy Graham know what a podcast is? Because she went on an AEW Chris Jericho cruise ship tour. This man has to be the single most evil human being walking the face of the earth to deny a woman's right to make a living when her husband gave his life for this unworthy pile of dung. (laughs) He won't let her have any of his talent to simply sit and talk on a show while this coming Thursday, February 27th, he will be putting on a show in Saudi Arabia with his partner, the Saudi Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Salam. and then he just fucking goes off on fucking this shit. He's like this man who personally ordered the murder and dismemberment of American journalists. The evergreen events will take 50 million dollars soaked in Khashoggi's blood but he will not let Vicky Guerrero make some nickels and dimes doing a podcast what a two faced selfish bastard that will burn in hell Billy I get where you're coming from but the fact that you did mention the leaders of Saudi Arabia does invalidate your whole most evil human being on the planet being Vince McMahon thing <laughs> vince mcmahon's the most evil person in existence he goes and works with hitler you got to remember hitler right he's the worst it's like vince is a corporate douche which yeah. is like what i expect from any million or billionaire in the world today and he's not a good person no he's... not at all yeah but The most evil... I I just think... The semantics are getting me here. Okay. Yeah, it's like... Superstar Billy Graham has got some kind of chip on his shoulder. And I don't think he's wrong. He's just being an asshole. It's not even a matter of being an asshole. I mean, you gotta think. Superstar Billy Graham was Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan was a thing. Meaning, he definitely has a chip on his shoulder being like, Oh, that dude stole my shit and made of five billion dollars like you know that's where he's coming from he has to be so there's already a hatred for vince and there has to be a love for eddie guerrero meaning seeing the person he hates do something against a person who married one of the people he loves that's an instant like okay yeah no fuck you i'm about to go off i don't care also um in July 2015, Bill- superstar Billy Graham sent a letter to Vince McMahon requesting to take the position of Dusty Rose right after his death. Oh, which drew wow. some criticism from fans to whom he defended himself by calling his critics evil subhumans. Okay, so this is kind of like his catchphrase is calling people evil. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so I think that I think that he's just got a big evil streak going, and I'm not Yay. talking about the Undertaker, baby. Hey. <laughs> Now, Dylan's not here, but I will take a moment to say Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi are now apparently the tag champions. What the fuck? Okay, okay, New Japan, you make your fun little decisions. That's all right. I'm down with it. Fuck it. Shit, shit, just give me all of these good boys. You know what? Throw, Throw together two talented people and make a tag team. It worked for AEW. It worked for WWE. You got Rollins and Murphy hanging out. Yep. I, st- I still, I'm sorry, I don't enjoy the Kenny-Adam-Page c- combo, mostly because they have the worst fucking finishing move in existence, which is, we're gonna make a dude sandwich! Boom! And the- I love that finisher, only because of something that people that watch JXT will get because it reminds me of a fun time that I used to have oh it is the man-witch isn't it it is full on the man-witch and it reminds me of that every time and that's why I'm happy with it okay hooray uh, uh, I, I'm also like I love the storyline they've got going though but it, you're right it, it Kenny is kind of playing like the most tertiary character because it is the young bugs versus Paige at this point Oh, that's straight up what it is. Yeah, but we're going to get into that a lot later. Don't worry. I will say Chris Jericho's always going to be my favorite person in AEW, but it's because he gives no fucks because this week at the end of the show, it was a weigh in, which I get it. AEW's doing some real sports things But I don't understand a weigh-in when there's not technically a division. Like, there's no way... If they're like, Darby Allin can't win it because he's way too fucking skinny. He doesn't weigh enough. So I don't understand the concept of a weigh-in. But my favorite part about it was, in a weigh-in, both competitors have to be weighed. Jericho did not get weighed by the end of it. Because it consisted of Jericho walking up and doing my... If you want to become a real heel in my heart, here's what you do. Do the stall technique. I fucking hate the stall technique. That one will get me even though I know I'm being worked into a shoot, brother. And so Jericho's walking up. And you know they'll like strip before they get on to make sure you get an accurate weight. Jericho's like taking off his sunglasses and his bandana, but not his tracksuit. <laughs> it's so choice. And then at one point, like all the fans in Kansas City are doing the fucking the chop. The, oh, 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 oh. He just grabs the mic and who's the fucking guy from Kansas City that everyone loves there? I can't. <laughs> what? The, who the fuck are you asking? I'm sorry, you know you, master of football, the NFL boy, Blake Tanner. <laughs> I know everything about Kansas. <laughs> like how Kansas City isn't in Kansas. Yeah, well, half of Kansas City is in Kansas, but not the okay. Can- but not the half of Kansas City that has the fucking football team. Okay, so he grabs the mic. At one point, just says. That guy's a piece of shit. And then just walks on. And I'm like, wait, what the... Holy shit, what? what? You can just say that? They don't need to clear it? Make sure it's part of an important promo? Jericho just, like, walked up to Cody and was like, I get one shit tonight, right? Yeah. Where are you gonna use it? I don't know, I'll figure it out. <laughs> just walks outside. Okay, so this is this is how that happened, though. <laughs> you got Chucky e. T. He's finally got it. He's got his shit ticket. Because the person that says shit that week gets a ticket to say it and you carry it around with you and he's just walking by and Jericho goes up to Cody he's like listen I've got a place I need the shit ticket I I just need it just conveniently as Chucky T's walking by Cody just picks it out of his hand (laughs) gives it to him it's like there you go there's your shit ticket man I got so unearthly excited when Chuck Taylor grabbed a microphone on AEW this week. He grabbed the microphone and I was so waiting for him to say shit, but he didn't. All because Let me put it this way. If I wasn't excited for Revolution the minute they announced Pac versus Orange Cassidy, I went, oh, cool, I could fuck with Revolution hardcore now. But my favorite part is Chuck Taylor just grabs the mic and is like, Orange Cassidy's gonna face Pac, and he will try! He's gonna try! Tr- Trent grabs the mic, we don't know that, he's not told us anything, we don't know if he's gonna try. Crowd's now chanting, he will try! He will try! Man, I'm always down with Orange Cassidy. Fuck, man. I, all, my favorite matches that I'm looking forward to over WrestleMania weekend all involve him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is his... first First. this is his first singles match in AEW yeah oh it's gonna be fucking tight so uh but anyways back to Jericho Man, he got busted the fuck open because after doing all of his stalling bullshit of walking around the ring and being like, ah, whatever, oh, this doesn't matter, I don't care, I don't need to get measured. And even on commentary, they're like, You don't need to get measured? We need to know your waist size, Chris. Well, yeah, technically, that's what it is. And they're they're like, commentary's like, if he can't get weighed in, the match can't happen. And then he doesn't, and then no one brings it up. No one <laughs> brings up the fact that he didn't get weighed in. That's because Moxley... everybody knows it doesn't fucking matter. Exactly, but Moxley just walks up to him and cracks him in the skull as hard as he can. And next thing you see is Jericho come up covered in blood. And I went, did he really blade for that? That's That's kind of a weird spot to blade for. And then I saw after the show... Where Chris got seven or like six or seven stitches in the middle of his face because apparently Moxley doesn't know how to hold back. No, I, I, I bet that Chris told him not to. Chris is one of those guys that tells you not to hold back. Yeah. I also don't think. I know we were talking about last week about when's the eye patch coming off for Moxley. I kind of don't want it to come off. I'm kind of really digging the eye patch because the poster for Revolution just has Moxley's face looking grizzled and terrifying with an eye patch across it. I'm like, okay, this is the best aesthetic ever. Yeah, I really like the eye patch. I think he should. He's. Pro- this is probably going to be like when he reveals that his eye is better. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I'm really down with it, and also. I think that there's something special between, like, the chemistry of Mox and Jericho on stage, where, like, those two are really, like, they have this either spoken or unspoken agreement that they will just fuck each other up. Oh, yeah, 110%. I've been watching a bunch of, um, ah, shit, I can't remember what the name of the channel is, but they're the people that go to, like a star cast and they'll film the big interviews and I rewatched the uh video of Jericho talking about getting sixty nine tax put in his body by John Moxley.
1: Yeah. It's such uh, a I good think video. That, yeah,
0: they must have had this since at least the Ambrose Asylum match. Oh yeah yeah. So now Blake, we've talked enough about revolution. We need to make some damn predictions for it. And so, let's start off with the pre-show, which is going to be the Dark Order versus SCU. And I'm not going to make it a p- bonus point, but I would like to know who your prediction for who the higher power will be. Um, this is where, okay, first of all, Dark Order. Um. Yeah, well, yeah, no, Dark Order all around. I don't think, we all, because we've got Dylan's predictions too. He had Dark Order as well. Um, oh, shit. Scotty, we have the same predictions. Do we have the exact same predictions? Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be fun. Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, no. Oopsie poopsies. Well, that's gonna be fun. Looks like I'm not catching up this weekend. Um, But, yeah, I honestly wouldn't mind Christopher Daniels to be coming out as the, the leader of the Dark Order. And you get the fallen angel coming back. It would be such a great moment. I think that would be neat. I've heard a lot of theories thrown around. And... It, they've made it obvious with their last promo, which means it's not going to happen. Oh, yeah, that is not Matt Hardy. Yeah. yeah. And- well, Matt's just teasing everything. He's like, I'm going to NXT. Just kidding. I'm going to AEW. Just kidding. I'll stay on the main roster for a few. I'm like, Matt, calm down. Stop it. I I don't fucking know who this goddamn... Fucker could be. Uh, shit, fuck, god, gee, motherfucker. Did god. you just roll a dice to determine who it could be? You've got a list of six names in front of you, and you're like, Tch. um, looks like this one says it's Nyla Rose. What the fuck? Okay. All right. That that's who I'm picking. No. Um. No. You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna say it's Matt Hardy. Fuck it. I- You're just gonna say it's Matt? You're gonna say, okay. you know what? Some, I think that AEW can do, can do this to where it comes back around, to where it's like, they make it so obvious that you don't think it's gonna be, but when he does come out, it's still surprising. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like Edge at the Royal Rumble, it's like, we all knew, but we still fucking blew, blew our minds, like, it still happened. Um, now, Pac versus Orange Cassidy, which once again... he's gonna try he's gonna try we all know it's gonna be packed we all know but i'm already gonna put this as a low-key contender for match of the night i already am gonna say this is gonna be match of the night because i don't think it's gonna be a comedy match i really don't i think that it's gonna start out as one like you might have the first four or five minutes with orange cassidy doing his shtick and then the rest of it is when he's gonna turn the gas on yeah exactly um, up next, Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander, which, holy fuck, they pulled the trigger on this one a little bit quickly they didn't they? Real quick trigger pull on this one. they <laughs> did pull it real early, which does kind of make me worry because, uh, I mean, we both picked Nyla, um, Dylan picked Statlander, and I-, I I I, I don't see Nyla losing so early, but it's going to be a good match. I see Nyla on a Samoa Joe as Ring of Honor world champion level of holding it for a very, very, very long time. Possibly, uh, like, for years to be the longest reigning champion in the company's history, no doubt. 100%. And then I've also got, like, double or nothing, maybe you could end up with Big Swole versus... I don't think, they don't do rematch clauses, do they? So, I was gonna say Riho, but I don't think so. So you could have Nyla, Statlander, Big Swole, Britt Baker. And I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Britt Baker sneak out the win, and then everyone's Hates her so much more, so much more hatred for her at that point. She could very easily pull something like that, and it would like it would really fit in. Mm-hmm. Now a match where two men are going to fly across this fucking ring like they're made of rubber and die, and it's Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. Oh shit, shit! It's gonna be good. It's gotta be good. It's gonna be Darby, but it's gonna be a good match. Yeah, I think that Darby's Darby's the one that needs to get this win. Although Sammy is fucking killing it does sammy still have the eye patch no because sammy never had an eye patch oh yeah he just got stabbed no he didn't once again wrong wrong person entirely you're thinking of ortiz oh i am okay or was it santana i don't know i can't was santana it was santana okay Uh, but i would love if he came out with an eye patch for solidarity (laughs) it was like i i i understand you now brother But yeah, I honestly like this position of Sammy Guevara as the inner circle's whipping boy, where if the inner circle has to lose, he will be the one to lose for them. And then once he goes single, that's when you need to start worrying about the wins and losses of Sammy Guevara. How many fucking people are in the inner circle now? Uh, five. Because Jeff Cobb- Jeff Cobb was not a member of the inner circle. Jeff Cobb was a guy Chris Jericho gave money to, which is my favorite- that's my favorite thing that AEW has, storyline-wise, are characters that you can just give money to, and they'll beat up people for you. The Butcher Bunny and the Blade, Jeff Cobb, just give some big motherfuckers money and let them deal with your problems. Yeah, this is the kind of- I like mercenary heels. Like, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Um. Now- The other Inner Circle match of the night, which is going to be the debut... There's two separate debut matches tonight, because you got Orange Cassidy, and then you also have Jake Hager facing Dustin Rhodes. And this is going to be a killer match, but Hager has to win, right? It's his debut, and Dustin can make him look like a million bucks. I think so. This is, like, this is going to be the match that, like... They put them together so they could get, like, a big reaction out of Hager and so they could get the best out of him, which I think that um, Dustin's gonna do it, and he's probably gonna bleed like a stuck-fucking-pig. I mean, if you want someone who can garner extreme sympathy, Dustin Rhodes is the person to put in that. Other than Cody, Dustin Rhodes is the person you can garner the most sympathy with when it comes to AEW which is why Jake Hager's gonna kick him in the nuts and then fucking Olympic slam him. Yep, 100%. Speaking of Cody... Oh, man. This this is is gonna be tight. I'm sorry, MJF has to beat Cody because the whole storyline leading up to this is MJF is the coward who doesn't want to have the match, so he has to sneak out the win. I will say this is probably the closest... Match that we have on the card of all of them, most of them are pretty easy, one side or the other. I I think Moxley Jericho might also be t- might be tighter than this, but I I gotta give it to MJF. You've gotta put over the the new the new person essentially because Cody's not gonna lose anything by losing this. No, I mean we all know how good Cody is, and we know what Cody could do. Like to 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 continue this story, which I think it's going to be continuing for a hot minute. MJF has to get the win. Well, I don't even think it's going to continue. I think this is this might be the end of it because that's kind of how AEW's been going is go up to the pay-per-view and then it ends and then it kind of fizzles out and you have a few things and people remember like storylines, but they don't keep them actively running. But I honestly think MJF is just going to sneak out this one because here's the thing. Cody's already won. Because Cody survived 10 lashes, survived weeks not being able to beat the shit out of MJF, and survived a vicious steel cage match with Wardlow. He's already built himself up three times higher than MJF has, so MJF has to win. Oh, yeah, he's definitely got to win. I I don't know if this is where it's going to end, like, end-end, because I think there's still places this could go. Um, Yeah. But, it, you're right, it might take it might take a breather, it might take a break, since this is gonna be their big show that they're gonna, um, that they're working towards, but, um, I definitely see this maybe coming back up around Double or Nothing time. Well, yeah, and speaking of Double or Nothing, I have an early prediction for one of the matches, and it's going to be Kenny Omega versus Adam Page, because... Paige is going to be pissed because they are going to lose the titles to the Young Bucks. And this is... We're going to keep talking about the Paige storyline in the few, in, a, in a few minutes. But, like, this is going to be the most heart-wrenching match of all of them, is watching Paige have to look at his friends and be like, no, I don't want to be part of this anymore and just try to break away. It's going to be very interesting. And I... I don't know how. I don't know what's going to happen. That's the most intriguing thing about it. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it, because they've done a good job of building the storyline like oh, between yeah, yeah. Paige and the Bucks and like his split from the Elite. Oh, yeah, which is and isn't a split. Like He just keeps getting pulled back in, even though he doesn't want to be there. It's very, very good. Now, finally, in the main event of the evening, John Moxley faces Chris Jericho, for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And I honestly originally had Jericho. Because Jericho, as much as people love Moxley, Jericho still has to be their biggest draw, no doubt. Easily. Like, like, I mean that's that's why he's that's why they made him the first champion. That's why he's been a strong champion. I think out of all the contenders that he's had, with the storylines they've had going into it, Mox has the best chance so far, and I think he's—he really is one that could just be a star as soon as he gets the title. um yeah. Well, I picked Moxley entirely, but out of game theory of seeing Dylan picked Moxley, and I'm like, I'm not gonna disagree. I'm not gonna just like lose that point. I always bet on Mox. So yeah, that's your life at this point is just constantly betting on Moxley, and he's probably had the most success in AEW so far. I'm just kind of interested where they go with him, though. Like, who who would come up next against him? I have got no idea. Unless you have an MJF versus... A full-on MJF versus Moxley, which that's a fun dichotomy of having this street-tough go up against the super-rich kid. Like, that would be good, and then that would be a great first defense for Moxley. I would actually love to see that because it's it puts, like, the straightforward kind of attacks that Moxley does... Versus the more cerebral, um, like, MJF. Like, MJF will try to get into Moxley's head. And I would love it if he tried to do it, like, in his normal bullying tactics. And Mox just no-sold it at first. Until yeah. he went, like, real dark with it. And just started to set Moxley off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, dude, I can't. I I want that storyline. That'd be a very, very good storyline. Um, But you know what's very good to me, Blake? All of our patrons at patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's the website where you can go and you can support the Fight Boys and you get access to exclusive content like Wrestling History X, the show where we talk about some of our favorite moments in wrestling history, or a new thing me and Blake decided to do because Dylan hasn't finished his episode yet because he's been super busy. Me and Blake took a trip in the past, didn't we, buddy? Yes, we did. We just fucking recorded it. We watched the... A pilot episode for our original JWF series that we did. Yeah, before Fight Boys was a thing, before JWF on Fight Boys was a thing, there was a secondary JWF that existed, and it's Bad. It's real cringy, but you can see shades of the current version of it even back then. And you can find our commentary over it online at patreon.com slash a load of BS. And you get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week, like the absolute motherfucker, the Patreon champion, Gazi, and of course, Eric Fulmer. And if you want to join them, you can at patreon.com slash a load of BS. Now, Blake, who are we going to tweet? Because oh, I already I don't do this part of the show. What? Yeah. Well, guess what? Dylan's not here, so you've got to be pseudo Dylan. Okay. Fuck you. God damn it. Okay. All right. Uh, Hangman Page recently tweeted out that no matter what happens, he's going to need everybody to buy him a drink afterwards.
1: Let's I tweet am it. Actually,
0: I already tweeted Hangman Page today. Can we just retweet that?
1: yeah let's just
0: retweet it let's fuck yeah let's just retweet it well no because i'm gonna quote retweet but i did let me see where is it at i tweeted literally just saying hey what's your favorite whiskey and i just want to know what adam page's favorite whiskey is so yo at adam page give us the give us the truth what's the best whiskey tell us tell us your secrets Do you think he's actually, like, because I know that they're a professional company and everything, but I also feel like AEW gives enough leeway to where he could actually just go out with a glass of whiskey. Um, well, from the clip from this Wednesday, it looked a lot like sweet tea. I'm not gonna lie. I think Adam Page might be just walking out with a glass of tea and just pretending, because he's a very good actor. Yep. You know, honestly, that would just, that would be good enough for me. Also, I did you see the clip of him at the Toy Fair? Yes. Where Adam Page is like, hey everybody, it's Adam Page here at the Toy Fair. I just wanted to show you my new action figure. It's so amazing. I've got him right down here if you want to take a look. And the camera pans down and it's Adam Page standing over the Young Bucks holding the tag title high. And then it pans back up to him and he's just smiling at the camera whoop both their asses and that was it then he cut that was the end i thought thought it was gonna be like oh yeah it paints down and he's got his little action figure right there he's standing over the young bucks and there's just a whole bottle of whiskey oh yeah Yeah, no 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 all right but now blake it's time to get into our heels and baby faces of the week do we want to start heels or baby faces because i'm already leaning into a pretty good segue for baby face Okay, you know what? You do that and I'll think of my heels and baby faces for the week. This is a professional show, you motherfucker. Oh. I have to edit out every click of that damn mouse every <laughs> week. I can't believe you did it. Well, I guess it the cat's out of the bag. My baby face of the week is Hangman Adam fucking Page because for weeks I've been going down the the train of Adam Page is going to be the heel. Adam Page is the bad guy. Adam Page is the alcoholic. Adam Page is the depressive one. But then I thought about it a little bit harder and went like, well, that would also be demonizing people who have alcohol addiction and demonizing people who are going through depression that's not the right way to go. That's not the babyface way to go about it. And this, the segment they had with Paige and Omega getting interviewed next to the Young Bucks cemented his place as a babyface for me. Because it's Paige over there, and you can tell he's nervous, and he doesn't want to be there. And at one point, JR is even like, you alright, Paige? And he goes, no, 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 I, I'm I'm fine. What, What do you mean? I just came to do the interview. But then it finally breaks down and the yelling happens, which I was so excited for, and at one point, he was like, you wanna talk about the Elite, right? You wanna talk about the Elite? I tried to leave the Elite, like, four months ago! Were you guys not paying attention to any of that? I wanted to go on my own! I wanted to be my own man! And it's just him going off about, like, I needed alone time. I needed... Because we have all have friends who are like, oh, you're depressed? Let me get in and help you with this! Let me be the one to save you! And, I, like, no, that's not what I need. I just need to go off on my own. And that's what Paige needed, and his friends wouldn't give that to him. And so that's the place he's at right now in the world. And it was such it was such an enthralling piece of TV. Because it. my favorite was the end quote, which is, and uh, now my glass is empty, so I don't need to be here anymore. And he just walks out of frame. And I was like, fuck, it's so good. I love Adam... Adam Page, my favorite, might be my favorite wrestler of all time, but definitely my favorite AEW wrestler. Yeah, and, um, like I said, we've said it before many times, AEW is really good at noticing when something's not working and turning it around, which is why I'm glad, like, because they were gonna hotshot Adam Page, you know, from day one, and I I think he deserves it. He's a great wrestler, but, like, not with the character that he had, not with the way that, um his character was working but now like I could see just sad Adam sad him like going on to do great things because he's just accepted who he is now and he's trying to work through his own shit which is more than can be said for a lot of people and he's really working with it also there was a line in that um, interview where one of the Bucks just said you were a jobber in ROH and we took you out of that oh yeah no that that Firmly submitted them as the heels. So thank you. Cause that was like, because they were like, you were a jobber in ring of honor. And then we put you in the bullet club and we made you somebody. You wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for us. And that was when I went, Oh fuck. Okay. Oh, you going to do my boy like that then. Okay. Then shit. It was a very good moment. Fucking. I, I know the bucks probably need to win. Because they're an actual tag team. But God, I love Adam Page so much. I love Adam Page. Uh, He's very good. He's a good baby face. He's the nicest person on the planet. Also, the beginning of that interview. You know an interview does not usually get an entrance graphic across the bottom pages came up for literally two seconds and it said i swear to god guys you better give me an entrance graphic even if it's only for one frame and then it disappeared like as fast as you can read it it was quickly taken away from us oh that is so yeah baby face of the week baby i early contender for baby face of the year depending on what they do with him adam page yes um Also, I've got a a little bit of an unconventional baby face because you did remind me of it. Um, Okay. But I loved all of the videos that AEW did where they were revealing their new toy line and they had everybody reviewing their toys. Um, Specifically, like, the Adam Page one was really good. And then you had Dustin Rhodes just come out and give this really thoughtful review where it looked like he was so happy to have a fucking toy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, which is weird. He's got... you gotta have millions of different action figures out there, but it makes me happy that he's still a kid and still gets excited about this shit. Exactly. And it's for, like, it, I think it's, like, it's especially for him, who, like, all of his stuff is gold dust, you know? Yeah. Um, but now he's got one where it's like, yeah, that's just me. That is Dustin Rhodes. Well, I'm sure he had one, like, back in the day in WCW. The Natural probably had an action figure or two, but, yeah, no, yeah, I see what you mean. but... This is his, This is also family. Like his. This this is family work because of Cody. So I understand that. Um, but yeah, no, I I like that. Who all got action figures? Because I saw the Lucha Bros got figures. Paige did. Dustin did. Yeah. Am Cody I forgetting got, one? Um, uh, Jericho's got one. Uh... Oh, MJF. MJF was the other. Because like the the main five were announced last week, but then they announced this week. Lucha Bros. MJF's. Who's fucking smirk is so great on that action figure. And then uh, Dustin and, yeah, everybody else. Oh, man, Uh, made me so happy. There is one of Brandy, and she does have a sledgehammer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was my favorite quote. We didn't bring it up last week, but my favorite quote from the video was Cody being real happy and looking at his action figure and going like, oh, they gave me the sledgehammer. Internet's going to have fun with that. And then just walks away from camera. Love, Cody. They're very, they're very interestingly built toys, too, because, like, you've got the, like, the lower body section, and then the upper body is a completely different bit, so it looks like you could just tear someone's chest off. Oh, yeah. It's a weird figure. I'm still gonna buy them, but it's a very weird figure, not to, not to lie. My personal favorite for how weird it is, is the John Moxley one, because he's just got this huge grimace on his face. yeah. And it just does look like he's sad that his chest has had this huge crack in it. Does he have the eye patch in the figure? I haven't looked at it yet. He does not, no. Damn it, okay. Well, now on to heels. And Blake, you have to go first for heel because I'm going to go off. The fuse has been lit. It was lit today at roughly two p.m. Central Time. Yeah, so I'll start you off. I'll get the fi- I'll get the I'll get the kindling going, and you just like you just explode when you need to.
1: Okay.
0: So once again, an entire fucking company has made it onto the heel and babyface of the week for me. Yes, and that is a good old WWE because this time of year, as it's going to be at least twice a year, I think, is when they do these shows. Is it twice a year? Uh, yeah, it's now twice. It was originally once and then they signed a bigger contract for more blood money. Um, yeah, and it is because it constantly reminds me that WWE is a company that doesn't really care about people or justice or really anything because it's a company. (laughs) justice. Um, and so they sign contracts with, uh, governments that pay them in blood money and oil money, which is blood money. Um, and that they just don't give a shit about who's paying them as long as they're being paid. And so you find you have shows like uh, Super Showdown, which, like you said, it does have uh, positive effects for the people that go see it. But the underlying cause is such a shitty one. And the fact that you would, they would even show their support for such a, a horrendous and horrific government, which just... Murders and executes people to their whim based on the what the richest people think um, and care about. It just kind of hurts me in a special way in my little socialist heart. All right. Well, my heel of the week is fucking Goldberg motherfucker. There it is. That son of a bitch. Because, mm-hmm. like, let me put it this way. I've now forgiven him. I had just forgiven him for Kevin Owens because I watched this amazing video of Paul Heyman basically describing why Goldberg had to go through what he did back then. And he was like... Goldberg was like the old West gunslinger who came back for one last match and he did what no one else could do and shut up Brock Lesnar and put him down in less than like 20 seconds. It was astounding. And then he goes on and you see the gunslinger win the championship and he can prove to his children that you can do this. And I was like, okay, I understand the logic behind the storyline now. I'm fine with it. We got a pretty good Brock Goldberg match at Mania. But you fucking did it, Brock. You've, Goldberg, you already did it. You done did it once. We don't have to do it again. Yeah, and that was, that was it. You came out of retirement. You got a perfect storyline out of it. That should have been it. Because Goldberg, uh, and I mean, I'll, I'll call out anybody that d- decides to do it. it. You can't just, unless they're a supreme talent... Who can still consistently go and do what they need to do in the ring, which Goldberg can't do, and he proved it today. I saw the fucking clips. Um, I gotta say, the same, it's the same for Undertaker. You gotta put him up against the best person, which I think that AJ will get a good match out of him because he's fucking AJ Styles. But it's like, it's just, you can't get a good Goldberg match out of Goldberg anymore, and when you can't get a good Goldberg match out of Goldberg, then there's no point in bringing Goldberg back, because Goldberg can only do one single fucking thing. Because, like, okay, in the recent weeks, it was announced from, not not announced, but come out in the dirt sheets, that apparently the plans for WrestleMania were John Cena versus The Fiend and Goldberg versus Roman, which, on paper... Both sound like very good, very enthralling matches. The problem is, this is also the time of the year where WWE goes, but couldn't we put the title on somebody to really elevate this match and make it seem a little bit bigger? It's what happened with fucking Charlotte and Asuka last year. That's The only reason Charlotte won the fucking title was because they were like, oh, let's elevate this even more. Let's put both belts on the line. Let's do something like that. It was ridiculous. And this year, they decided, like, victims of this syndrome, Kevin Owens, Asuka, and now The Fiend, because they said, having the master of the spear, Goldberg, face the new master of the spear, Roman Reigns, that doesn't sell itself already, let's put a belt on the line, and now we can finally give the belt to Roman like he deserves, which... I'm fine with Roman as champion. That's a 2017 argument I don't care about anymore. I'm fine with Roman being champion. But have Roman face the Fiend at least. Have Roman conquer this horrifying animal who has run through the division for months now. Don't just have Goldberg... Destroy the Fiend and now basically feed him to John Cena at WrestleMania because that's probably what's going to happen at this point. Like I-, I just don't I don't get this decision because Roman and Goldberg did not need the title. You could have had John Cena get beat by the Fiend at Mania, have Roman win against the Fiend at SummerSlam. That's all you need because. Roman winning at Mania ain't a big deal. It's happened before, and he's lost before. It doesn't matter. I'm so fucking mad. I yeah. was because and the, the fact that it all hinges on like Goldberg won the title at this stupid fucking Blood Money show that I'm gonna keep bringing up. God I mean, like, no, it. no, no, no. Not even. I don't care about the Blood Money show because it's a blood. I understand you do, and that's fine. But it's it. Firstly. It's a repeat. This is a rerun. A fan favorite heel gets beat by Goldberg a month before WrestleMania. Same shit happened to Kevin Owens and now it happens. You could have come up with a more creative way than just doing the same shit a second time. And the thing that makes me the most mad about it is the fact that the match wasn't good. I understand it's Goldberg and I know you need to do a squash with Goldberg. But you also have the fiend, where it kind of also has to be a squash with the fiend, and I liked the few moments where they had the fiend lock on the mandible claw and Goldberg not really sell it at all. Goldberg just be like, "Why you have my your hand in my fucking mouth? This is gross." But then Goldberg, he he had some good spears, hit the weakest jackhammer I've seen in mind. He hit a better jackhammer on the big show. He hit a better jackhammer on the big show. He didn't even get Bray vertical. He got Bray horizontal and then just kind of had to do a neckbreaker and shift around to pin him for it. Like that was, At that point, if I'm Goldberg, I'm like, I gotta fucking go again. I'm not gonna let that be the way I win this title. Nope, but it was, and it's just gonna be I'm I'm past being upset about it because I am so much more okay today with giving up on WWE than I was a year ago. Blake, it's so buckwild that Twitter has formed a Twitter moment that just says The Fiend Goldberg Showdown left some fans scratching their heads. No, you left all the fans scratching their heads. Thank you very much. You left... Basically anybody... Like, this is... Anybody left really, really watching WWE enough that they would want to watch this that is a fan of good wrestling? I don't... I, I mean, this is... Every time they pull a shitty stunt like this it just loses people and it's gonna fucking lose people and it's like i i've been a laughs fan for wwe for months now months and i didn't think that there's a way i wanted to push myself further away and then they did something like this and i'm just glad we're not going to wrestlemania oh no le- yeah let me put it this way i was even to like yesterday trying to get secret wrestlemania tickets because at the end of the day it is the big show of the year. It's still the biggest wrestling event of the year. And I've went to one. Dylan's went to one. I was like, well, I need to bring Blake to his first WrestleMania. It's a Fight Boys thing. It'd be good. And then after seeing the show today, I said, I'm fucking happy I didn't get any tickets. My favorite quote was from Dylan, who said, I would have asked you to get a refund. I would have genuinely asked to like refund it because like Dylan was right which is my least favorite combination of words in the English language to say, but last week, (laughs) his heel was WWE and his reasoning was because they cannot pull off the Wrestlemania that they're trying to pull off. And then this happens and we all went, well, fuck. Dylan's right. Awesome.
1: This summer, two men save the world. From who you ask? Everything invading Robo. Penises. This show
0: is not about those two men. (laughs) This show's just a load of BS. The show are Blake Tanner and Scotty Moore. Make up dumbass movies like that. We're your personal think tank. We're your two white guys, which fills the quota for Mm -hmm. a podcast, I think. And we're just going to be here to have a good time. And talk about sauerkraut. That's right. Except no substitutes, ladies and gentlemen. Because this is that pure, uncut, yes.
1: (laughs) Good, good, uncut.
0: You know Blake, a lot of times when we end uh, when we end that segment, we usually end on a fun happy joke, but we were so furious we couldn't make a joke. But we've talked about WWE, we've talked about AEW. There's been some pa- there's been a bad pay-per-view today. There's going to be a good pay-per-view on Saturday, but I want to talk about a great pay-per-view and that is JWF Expiration Date. And the card's almost full. The gang's all here. So why don't we go go over to Silver Spoons and Captain Tibbs for another episode of JWF Monday Night Walk. of the next great pay-per-view expiration date. And, of course, Captain Tibbs, that that show features one of the most devastating matches of all time, the expiration chamber match. Tell us about it, Tibbs. Well, Sylvie, you got a bunch of men in tubes like the Internet. And every now and then, the Internet lets another man out to fight. And they're going to be fighting over the JWF World Heavyweight Championship. That's right, and we've got some amazing names in that match. We, of course, have our champion, Momoa Curry. We have the JXT standout, Funky Flossie. We've got Felix Ball, a man who, of course, just last week earned his way into this match, facing off against Blake Tanner of the Dynasty and defeating him in what was an absolutely hellacious match. But the thing that shocked me was what happened after the match, Tibbs. When Blake Tanner's partner in the dynasty, the Dylan, suddenly came into the ring and they attacked each other. It was a manic brawl. It was like watching two wild animals go after one another. Of course, Blake Tanner has become increasingly unhinged, one would say. He, he has be- begun to break. You've he, he started to see fractures in his personality, and, and as soon as the Dylan came out, it's like he, he just went into a completely different state, almost feral that's right and let's not forget the other stakes that were riding on that match Scotty Moore the leader of the dynasty itself said if Blake didn't win there would be serious consequences and Scotty Moore is coming out to the ring right now to make his announcement regarding those consequences and tips I, I don't know what's going on what do you think it could be so I don't know but I I don't think that it spells well for Blake Tanner or the Dillon but specifically Blake because he did lose a match All right, well, let's go down to the ring and hear what Scotty Moore has got to say. So, I've got a tough decision to make tonight. You see, last week, I gave Blake Tanner an ultimatum. Win his match, or else. And, you see, the thing is, I was so confident in Blake. So positive that he was going to be walking out of that match victorious that... I'll be honest, I never thought I would actually have to figure out what that else is. But as a brave and charismatic leader, it is my job to make the tough decisions, to make the right decisions, something that no one in this audience knows anything about. You see, you might notice I'm not out here flanked by Blake or the Dylan, and that's because, I'll be honest, I don't know who I can trust right now. You see, Blake might have failed to win that match last week, but that's also because the Dylan didn't do his job at ringside either. See, the Dynasty, we work together to get the victory, and Blake might not have been pulling his weight last week, but neither was the Dylan. You see, there's been a a rift growing in the Dynasty for these past few months, and it's a rift that, I'll be honest, I cannot put back together anymore. You see, both of these men, they might be my friends, but the dynasty has never been about friendship. The dynasty's about business. It's about getting the job done, and neither one of them have been able to do that lately because they're too focused on their little scraps between each other. And at the end of the day, I think that Blake Tanner and the Dylans egos have gro- grown far beyond the dynasty. This proverbial town ain't big enough for the two of them so I made a decision to have a match at expiration date this Sunday. The Dillon is going to be facing off against Blake Tanner in a match to determine who stays with me and who goes. But you see, I don't want a regular wrestling match for this. No, I want to see who really wants this, who's willing to scratch and claw their way up for this. You see, I don't give a damn if either of them could manage out to sneak a quick pin because let's be honest, we're the dynasty. We know ways to get a quick pin. You grab the tights, you use the ropes. Those boys know every trick in the book. So I'm not worrying about pinfalls. I'm not worrying about submissions. I need to see which one of those men aren't willing to fight their way back to their feet. Which one of those men aren't willing to claw their way up to meet me again. I need to see which one of those men will be the last man standing with me. I'm sorry, boys. It's just business. Have fun amazing announcement for expiration day. Looks like we finally got a full dance card with this third match announced as Blake Tanner takes on the Dylan in a last man standing match. in Tim, we've seen these two go at it before. And I think this is going to be a brutal match. I'm looking forward to it, Sills. They both have a lot riding on it. I just, I just can't shake the fact that when you, when you make this business too much about business, it can really get you hurt. That's right, Tip. But of course, we've already talked about the Exploration Chamber match. We've talked about this amazing Last Man Standing match. I want to talk to you about the three-on-three tag elimination match. It was announced a few weeks ago. As the wild-eyed Southern Boys would be dragging their manager Spider Lockhart out of retirement to face the entire VWO, and Tim, let me tell you something. When the entire VWO, when Griffin Clouds, when Justin Clouds, when the Hammerman get in the ring together, it's an absolutely devastating thing to see. And I don't think this was a wise move from the Southern Boys to challenge all of them. I don't know, Sills. Of course, I think that the VWO is going to come out victorious, and the- they have the Hammerman on their side. But the wild-eyed Southern boys, they seem to have a plan. And they always will because they do have Spider-fucking-Lockhart behind them. And Spider-Lockhart, he may not seem the way that he talks and the way he always acts, but he's got such a mind for the business. He knows what he needs to do and how he needs to do it. He's a great strategist. And so having him ringside, he might not even do a lion's share of the fighting. He might not do a lot of it, but with him directing the team, they will definitely be a more effective fighting force than anyone could even conceive. That's all right, Tims. But last week, the VWO, they almost seemed a little bit nonchalant about it. They were laughing this off in the back. Didn't really seem too concerned with the fact that Spider Lockhart was coming out of retirement to face him. And we've got the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys right now backstage with one of our top interviewers, and we need to hear how they respond to the VWO's comments last week. Let's have a listen. Hello, everybody. Honey Pot Mc... Here with your JWF Tag Team Champions, the men known as the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys. Uh, Now, boys, this Sunday you're going to be facing off against the VWO in... A brutal three-on-three elimination match to determine who goes home with the tag team championships. But I have to say, last week the VWO seemed rather dismissive of your decision to include Spider Lockhart, uh, who is coming out of retirement, may I remind you, who is on your team. How do you respond to that? How do I respond to that? How does spider mother fucking Lockhart respond to that? Look, let me tell you something, bait boys. I know I've been out of this game a while. I know I ain't exactly wrestled the same caliber of matches that y'all have, but let me tell you something right now. I'm as good once as I ever fucking was, buddy, and you're going to have to deal with
1: that come Sunday. i tell you that right now. Yeah, you see, Honeypot, the only thing these Cloud Boys are doing right now is showing to the world that they're all just in one big case of denial. Because they know for a fact that when we get into the ring this Sunday, when Spider Lockhart, Houston Longhorn,
0: and myself, Sam Adams, when we climb into the ring, it ain't going to be a wrestling match. It's going to be an all-out bar brawl. And the VWO knows that's not exactly their forte now, is it? They go out there, they talk a big game, they brag about how many title reigns they've had, how much success the Hammer Man has had. Well, what have you done for us lately, VWO, huh? Because lately, seems like you're just getting your asses kicked more and more every single week. You see, you might not want to admit it, but looks to me like you're starting to, starting to slip a little bit, ain't you? And this Sunday, the VWO are just going to slip further and further into
1: obscurity when the wild-eyed Southern boys come on through and beat their asses down into the mat. And we will show the world this Sunday that the South will
0: rise again. Well, Tim's strong words there. From the uh, wild-eyed Southern boys, and I got—I gotta say, I agree with them. I mean, you gotta think, Spider Lockhart, he was not hired into this company because he was an Olympian. He wasn't hired into this company because he saw at some independent wrestling organization. You hired him after seeing him beat the hell out of 23 other men in a bar brawl. That's what the Wild Eyed Southern Boys are about. They're about brawling. They're about that, that vicious style. And I do not know if the BWO can withstand it this Sunday. There's definitely a lot of confidence coming from both sides, so I think that I think that both teams are really going to be bringing their best, but the, the Wild-Eyed Southern boys, I, honestly, Sills, they're not somebody that I would underestimate, and I'm really, really hoping that the VWO doesn't fall into that trap again like they did last time when they lost their tag team championships to them. That's right, and then, of course, in addition to that match, we are going to have the expiration Chamber match where Funky Flossy, Guy Fietti, Felix Ball, FOMOS on numerous superstars are going to climb into the ring, climb into the hellacious expiration chamber in an attempt to dethrone this man coming to the ring right now, the god of the JWF, the man known as Momoa Curry and Tibbs, we have not heard from Momoa Curry since the Regal Rumble. We haven't heard from him uh, since that amazing event. And let me tell you something, he seems a little bit shocked. Well, that's right, Sills. It's not every day that the uh, brother you thought you'd banished back to the nether realms just comes back for no damned reason whatsoever. And we don't really know what to do about it right now at this point. I'm sorry I'm letting you see just kind of the planning that we've gone through backstage. And it's just... We're playing it by ear, and uh, it has us all on edge, especially Momoa Curry. That's right. Like like, uh, Tibbs was saying, the Leviathan, that monster, that demon, the brother of Momoa Curry winning the Regal Rumble, which of course does mean that he can challenge for Momoa Curry's title at Wrestlepalooza, we haven't heard from Amoa. I think he's been off meditating out on the scene is what he's been telling me. But he's back tonight, and I think he has words for everybody who's going to be facing him this Sunday in the Exploration Chamber match. Let's have a listen.
1: This Sunday, I'm going to set foot into one of the most horrifying structures known to man, facing off against five of our best superstars in order to protect my reign as JWF champion. But it's so much more than that. You see, I step into that match to ensure there's a chance we survive at Wrestlepalooza because over the last few weeks... Everyone's
0: been having a lot of fun going back and forth about trying to win the Expiration Chamber match. Everyone's been jaw back and forth, and they've all seemed to
1: forget one very, very important thing. The Expiration Chamber isn't the end of the line. Not by a long shot. Because whatever man walks out of that match holding the championship above their head will have a literal behemoth waiting for them at Wrestlepalooza, Palooza. They will have the demon, the monster known as the Leviathan to contend with, and no one understands the gravity of that match more than I do. No one understands the sheer danger that each and every person in this arena will be in if the Leviathan manages to get their hands on this title, so I wish the best to every single man that competes this Sunday in that match but understand that only one man can take down the Leviathan only one man has dug his way out of hell itself to stop the Leviathan from leading the JWF down into his dark descent and only one man will be holding the title above his head after the expiration chamber match and that man is Momoa Curry And if you want me to prove that I'm the man for the job, then how about this? I will be the first man in the chamber. I will be the first person competing this Sunday, and I'll fight my way through each and every single superstar who escapes from their pod, and I'll outlast them all just to take down my brother once again. Because a man... A man cannot defeat the Leviathan. It's gonna take a god.
0: Look, Tim's. that's some amazing words there from Momoa Curry. And let me tell you something. He's right, but I don't think he's made the wisest move right here, starting off the expiration Chamber match. And by the end of that, he's gonna be so weak that, I'll be honest, I think the Leviathan could beat him easily. I, I don't know what Momoa's plan is here. Well, Sims, I think it's... This is coming from a place of pride in the Ferry. This is coming from a place of... He really needs to know that he's got what it takes to take his brother on. And The only way that he can prove that to himself is take on five of the most talented wrestlers that we have on the roster, taking out all five of these men and standing tall at the very end of the night. And that's how he'll know. I, I think that it might be... A greater source of strength for him if he's able to pull it off. That's all right, Tibbs. And that is going to be this Sunday. The Expiration Chamber matches. Momoa Curry faces off against FOMO Ratboy Rat Boy Connor, uh, Funky Flossy Felix Ball, and of course the King of Flavortown himself, Guy Fieri, And well, what's going to be an absolutely amazing match, we are going to have that last man standing match that was announced earlier tonight as the Dylan takes on Blake Tanner for their spot in the dynasty, and let me tell you something, I've seen what the dynasty mean to these men, and I, I don't think this this match is going to end clean. No, it's going to be dirty. It'll be bloody. It'll be painful. That's right, and then finally, we are going to have the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys take on the VWO in what is going to be an amazing three-on-three elimination match, and the only way to find it is on the expiration date, pay per view coming to you this Sunday on the Fight Boys YouTube channel. Make sure to tune in for that, and then after that, we will see you next time on JWF Monday Night Walk. So Blakey T, it has been an episode. What did you learn this week? Uh I learned that the only way to get Dylan out of this uh, hell that we've created for ourselves is just to make him real sad that his wrestling waifu is married. I <laughs> is to murder Kyrie. <laughs> Say, murder the her. And I learned that I get very, very mad when WWE proves me right. I stole that line from Ghazi, but I I don't care. I'm very, very frustrated. But until next time, remember to follow Dylan on Twitter at DickAndStormy. But Blake, where could they find you? You find me at BlakeAtanner on the Twitter, DarkRinvidia on YouTube, V-I-D-Y-A. All the podcasts on the BS Network, like this one, or a load of BS, or, uh, or, or... Oh, f- Blake's so tired right now. Or Deviant, a space pirate story, which is our new audio drama show. It's really amazing. I'm super proud of it. I'm one of the voice actors. Blake is a voice actor. We've got Stephanie Craniola working on it. It's an amazing show. You guys need to check it out. And the way to find it is online at a load of pureBS in addition to a load of BS, me and Blake's other show. Opposite attractions. And then, of course, remember to follow me on Twitter at Scotty Mo. That is S C O T T. Y E M O and to check out all of my books on the Amazons. Special thanks to Megaran for our theme song Fighters. We can check out all of Megaran's stuff um on his YouTube channel. Um you can get him anywhere you get your music from, Spotify, Google Play, all that good shit. And I mean, I really like his music and he's a really chill dude. I'm sad that he's not going to be uh down in Tampa for WrestleMania. Oh, it's okay. I think he's doing Dragon Con this year, so at least we get a little bit of Ryan this year. Nice. <laughs> and, oh, course- and Dylan might be coming down to Dragon Con too, so we yeah. could get all three get the fight boys together and remember to of course support us whether that be by picking up some merch at merch.loadedpurebs.com, donating to the Patreon, it doesn't matter, or of course just leave us 5 stars on iTunes leave us a review and some funny shit, say something funny in there we might read it on the show eventually if I ever manage to check iTunes reviews, or you can review us wherever you get your podcast, and as always you can find us at purebs.com. step up to the merch table at merch.loadapurebs.com. find us on Facebook, donate to the Patreon, subscribe on YouTube, and remember to Follow us on Twitter at Fight Boy Show Hangman Page because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life!